Oh, and Hill Rider, too. Sorry. My son. I didn't write him down, but I thought I did. Ryder's got a real red nose, and my son, Ryder, has a real red nose and really congested cough and coughing and all that stuff. So it's a mess. Red Ryder. I'm going to shoot your eye out. Okay, I can't remember exactly where we ended last time, so I'm going to need a little help. Um, but I will give this overview um, for the. Hey, Mark. For those who may not have been here last week, we started on the the uh, conversation with the rich young ruler that Jesus had. My contention, and I discovered when I left class that not all people agree with me. My contention, not in this class, it's just a, a friend in church was going back and forth. My contention is that this is a gospel presentation. I don't think um, it's necessarily helpful um, and if you've done this, I'm, I'm not beating up on you, but I don't think it's necessarily helpful to go through a class where you memorize a script to share the gospel. And I can think of like two or three maybe programs that exist that work like that. Uh, and you, you know what I'm talking about. Because a lot of times it feels forced, first of all. And then a lot of times you'll talk to a lost person in America who's uh, been exposed to church life and church people and people knocking on doors or whatever, and they hear the same script. And it's like, it's kind of weird. You guys are saying the same thing, and they they, they become numb to it. Um, so my contention, oh, hey, Andrew, I didn't see you come in. Was my head bad? Welcome. Uh, so my contention is that Jesus is sharing the gospel with the rich young ruler. And uh, it shouldn't sound so foreign to say that, because you know how the conversation ends. And Jesus doesn't exactly say, well, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. You know, that's absent from the conversation, right? Well, you have the manifestation of God's love in physical form. And so why wouldn't he say that? If we say that now, like we memorize that, maybe that's, why was Jesus doing something different, not sharing the gospel? That's not the gospel. Because if you back up, the gospel in, in our passage, to me, the gospel is being shared repeatedly throughout the gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the whole Bible. And like it, it's over and over cycles through gospel presentations. So what is the gospel in a nutshell? I mean, you think about Matthew, the gospel of Matthew. Okay, give me one thing that Matthew has written, inspired by the Holy Spirit, that warrants that we call it the gospel. It, it's a long book, right? It's a big, long letter. And yet we say the gospel of Matthew. What does that mean? How can you boil it down? Do you have any ideas? What is the gospel? The book of Matthew? Jesus. Mm -hmm. his, Jesus. Opinion, his opinion on Jesus, yeah. Yeah, that's it. That, that's exactly right. And so when you share the gospel with someone, just that's your end goal, right? I don't want to overcomplicate this. I'm not going to try to memorize the script because if I get the script wrong, I'm going to get all red in the face and I'm going to be stumbling over my words and I'll look stupid. Mm -hmm. No. I know Jesus, and wherever you are in your walk in life or in death, I'm going to take you from where you are to meet Jesus because I know him. I don't have to guess and make things up. I, like I spend time with him. He has redeemed me. He is my God. He is my Savior. I want you to know him. And so as I shared last week, I think, uh, when Paul makes the statement uh, in another book that, uh, to the Jew I became a Jew, to the, to, the, to the Greek I became a Greek, to those with the law as one with the law, to one without the law, without the law, so that I might be a partaker with them 
and it kind of like, and that has an idea. I'll preach that some other time. But it's like a, a fellowship of a banquet. How, however you know Jesus or or don't know Jesus, I'm going to share it like you need to hear it because I want to taste Jesus like that too. Like I, I love Jesus so much, and I want to experience Him and know Him the way I'm going to usher you to Him. Does that make sense? So when we share the gospel, um, it, we see it in a lot of different ways in Scripture because it's just introducing Jesus. And, and here in the conversation with the rich young ruler, that's exactly what's happening. Jesus is introducing himself to this rich young ruler, even though the rich young ruler doesn't really want Jesus. Like, that's not where the rich young ruler wants to go. What does the rich young ruler want? Yeah, we haven't read it yet today, but we read it last week. So let me go ahead and read it. But yeah, that's exactly right. He wants stuff, a good thing, but I don't want Jesus. So let me go ahead and read that and then we'll get started. Um, Matthew 16 through 30. And someone came to him and said, Teacher, what good things shall I do that I may obtain eternal life? And he said to him, Why are you asking me about what is good? There's only one who is good. There's only one who is good. But... If you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. Then he said to him, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not commit murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear, bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these things I have kept. What am I still lacking? Jesus said to him, if you wish to be complete, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. But when the young man heard the statement, he went away grieving, for he was one who owned much property. And Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, it is hard for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven, or enter the kingdom of heaven. Again I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were very astonished and said, Then who can be saved? And looking at them, Jesus said to them, With people this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Then Peter said to him, Behold, we have left everything and followed you, and then what will and the, what then will there be for us? And Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, that you who have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you shall sit upon the twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or fathers or mother or children or farms for my name's sake will receive many times as much and it will and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. Okay. Uh, and we covered the first couple of points uh, last week, I think. Um, yeah. On your outline, it says a mistaken treasure. Uh, the, the rich young ruler came to Christ. I'm looking for eternal life. And Jesus, remember Jesus' response? Why are you asking me about what is good? There's only one who is good. And this was my contention with the conversation I had outside of the hall after the class. Uh, the person said that he doesn't believe that Jesus uh, evoked his deity in that or his right to be worshipped. And I disagree. I think that's exactly what Jesus was doing there. Otherwise, it's a weird statement. Like, why would Jesus pick that out, that one word out, to kind of arrest that guy's attention uh, if it were for, no for nothing? And I think it's very important. And the reason I say that also is because when, when you study other examples of the gospel presentation or gospel being presented in Scripture, you have these four things that are on your sheet too. There's always uh, uh, the point being made in the gospel presentation that there is an awe of God. Uh, and you'll see this 
throughout Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, or whatever, and oftentimes it goes back to creation. So no matter who you're talking to, uh, in missions work, there's a lot that's made about, well, you've got to share the gospel according to that culture, and it's just different there and all that. Not really. I don't want to have it to where people can't sell books and all this other stuff, but we didn't create the gospel. We were made privy to the gospel by someone translating it and presenting it to us. And the way it's presented is, hey, we have one creator. How about that? Yeah, we don't speak the same language. We live in different houses. We have different things we like to do. But the fact is, we all share the same creator. For me, when I share the gospel, whether here or abroad, that's the equalizer. Like, yeah, I look different than you. Yep, we're totally different. We have different... Uh, economic standings or whatever. But the fact is, you and I were created by the same God and we rebelled against him. We don't get up every day and worship him like he deserves. Uh, and we're going to have to give an account for that. That's not okay. And so you and I are the same as far as that goes. Right? So that should give you confidence. Yeah, I'm not like that person, but I am like that person. I'm pretty much exactly like that person. Uh, before God saved me. I was dead in my trespasses and sins. I was a rebel against the God who created us. So we're we're the same. I can identify with where you are. Um, so a gospel presentation has an awe of God. Um, and I, th- I think that's what Jesus was doing in that first conversation. You need to recognize who you're talking to. Why are you asking me about what is good? There is one good. So think about that. Then uh, there's dead in trespasses and sins, or dead in sins. When uh, Jesus shared all the things, uh, the Ten Commandments, basically, that he preached on in Matthew chapter 5 with the Beatitudes and um, all the Sermon on the Mount, uh, he said basically that no one can keep them because it starts with a heart problem. So we're all the same, created by the same God. We all rebelled against him. We're sinners. We need to be forgiven for that. Uh, Another equalizer in sharing the gospel so when jesus shared that with the rich young ruler he he missed jesus the awe of god right there in front of him he missed the fact that he needed a savior because he says all these things i have kept from my youth up what am i still lacking what am i still lacking Uh, i need this eternal life i don't know what i'm lacking what do you think in that point the guy's talking to jesus jesus says basically i am god And then Jesus says, you need to keep all these commands because you're unrighteous. You're a sinner. What am I still lacking? Can you imagine that conversation? Mm -hmm. What would you say if you were a heckler outside the side? You're missing Jesus. He's right there. You know, he's God. He's Savior. What am I still lacking? But he can't see it. Uh. I think it's in Luke when at the end of this conversation, you know what happens. Like here we see that he goes, the rich young ruler goes away sorrowful because he had a lot of stuff. And we're not there yet. We'll get there. But in Luke, I think it records it that, that Jesus looked on him and loved him. Mark. Mark. Okay. Do you get that too? Knowing he's going to walk away. Yeah. Scripture says that God says, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Mm-hmm. And there's a real sweet um, uh, passage where Jesus says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, 
how many times I would have gathered you like a mother uh, hen does her chicks, but you would not. That's an act of the will. You, you would not, will not. Your will was against me, basically. It doesn't negate the sovereignty of God in salvation. That's not what that means. It means there's a sadness that we can see lost people, no matter what end they're facing, no matter how desperate they are for feeling like they have some hope in life, their will is so dead in trespasses and sins, they will not. Elsewhere we see that they cannot. They don't have the ability. They don't want the ability. They don't want to submit to God. That's a sad thing. Like this this whole thing. Like Jesus is not mocking and laughing. He's presenting the gospel. And an unregenerate person who has not been born again and given faith to see as, what is it, uh, Colossians. I think it's Colossians. But to see the, the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. They can't see that. And it's sad. Um, so... In the gospel presentations, there's always that kind of a cycle. Um, and so I think this is where we, we, we ended last time, I think in verse 21. Any comments or questions about that so far? Okay. I don't mean to shotgun through this and, or whatever. But this is a, I love this kind of stuff because it's helpful to me. It's a very practical application of how can I fit the gospel into my life and communicate it to people. And we don't need to over-complicate over it. We know Jesus, and we want you to know Jesus, is the point. Um, the treasure of the kingdom. Jesus often spoke about treasure. Uh, and so when the guy says, what am I still lacking? Jesus says, if you wish to be complete um, or perfect. Like the guy still knows that he's, he's missing something. He, I'm missing something. If you wish to be complete, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. Um, so can you guess what I'm going to say about this in verse 21? What is, what is Jesus doing in his gospel presentation now? It's all in your sheet too. I think I gave you. What is he doing? Yeah. Yeah, and if you had to pick a word or three words, he's Lord of all. Because, I, and I shared this last week, so maybe we did get this far. But think about how we know who this guy is. We know that he's rich, we know that he's young, and we know that he's a ruler. And what Jesus is saying to him is basically, I'm greater than all. I am Lord of all. And so if the guy sells all of his stuff and gives away to the poor, he's not rich anymore, right? So now he's just a young ruler. If he leaves what he's doing and he follows Jesus, he's not a ruler anymore. He's a follower. Mm -hmm. And so he has to give over everything about himself to demonstrate that he believes Jesus is Lord of all. That's hard. A natural man is not going to do that. I don't see anything like God or to whom, I'm, who, to whom is due worship about this man. I don't see that I need him to save me because I'm doing pretty good on my own. I don't really need that. So why would I sell everything about myself and take on a new identity as a follower of this man? I don't get it. And so Jesus is still, he's presenting the truth about himself. 
The truth about me, as Jesus is saying here, is I am the only one who has perfectly kept the law, and I'm continuing to do that, to rightly reflect the glory of my Heavenly Father. My Heavenly Father is worth my complete obedience, and I'm doing that, and you're not. No one has ever done it since Jesus. No one will ever do it since Jesus. Jesus is a big deal. The other thing is, uh, Jesus saying, I am worthy of worship, and you need me to save you. You have no other hope outside of me. And so the rich young ruler doesn't get it. When the young, when the young man, it's you see that it's kind of funny. It doesn't say the rich young ruler man. <laughs> it says the young man. He's still young. He's got that going for him. So basically, he just contradicts himself. The young man. He said all these all these things that I've kept. And then when he asked him to keep them, he said no. Loving his possessions more than his neighbor. Well, yeah, and I think it's, it, it, it's a cycle through the gospel of a couple of different things. He doesn't see his need for a Savior, so he doesn't see that he's dead in trespasses and sins. And he doesn't see the value of Jesus to be worshipped and obeyed. So he doesn't see Jesus as God. And he doesn't have an awe of God or seeing Jesus as Lord of all, which again is another way to say God. He's worthy of worship and obedience. So yeah, he, he, what am I still lacking? It's you're lacking Jesus. Jesus is a big deal. I don't want to get too sidetracked. But often when you're presenting the gospel, uh, people have different ideas about their relative position before their creator. And when you and I said this a little bit last week, when you begin to talk about uh, like individual sins and are you a good person or a bad person or anything, they begin focusing on themselves. And that gets confusing to the person trying to hear the gospel. So I don't do that. And like, how many sins do you have to, how many times do you have to steal to become a thief? Well, one. But they're kind of sidetracked and looking over here and they're thinking about, am I good or bad? And who's really the judge? Um, when I share the gospel, it's always about Jesus. Because even lost people, like, they're cool with Jesus. Like, nobody, even if you're lost, you might say bad things about God and what God requires. Is this a bad sin? You know, these cultural things that we have going on with like um, gay marriage, abortion, things like that. A lot of people have opinions about those things. But it seems like on both sides of what people believe that everybody's cool with Jesus. Well, that's a problem. Because Jesus is the standard of righteousness against which all will be judged, me and you included. In Acts chapter 17, Paul says that when he shares the gospel with the uh, pagan Gentiles. He said, uh, basically, the Holy One, the Righteous One, and that he is the standard against, against which all people, Jew or Greek, whatever, are going to be judged. And God has proved this by raising him from the dead. So it's great that you think Jesus is cool and all, but you need to understand who Jesus is. He was not a, he's not a way, he's the way to have peace with God. And so let me tell you more about Jesus. If you think Jesus is cool, he is cool, but maybe not in the way that you think. He's the, yeah, he is the standard of righteousness. And either you pass that test that you measure up to the perfection of Jesus, or you don't. There's no gray in there. So I'm glad you think Jesus is cool. But I want you to know Jesus. So that's why we're having this conversation. Does that make sense?
So in a gospel presentation, I try to stay away from the relative type thoughts because everybody's cool in their own eyes. That's why we have commands to love our neighbor as ourselves. We really love ourselves. We think we are awesome. Even if we have low self-esteem, there comes, to, comes a point where we think, well, we're, we're pretty good. I, I do good things. And it's not about relativism. It's about the per- perfect standard of Jesus Christ. And every single one of us falls short. We miss the mark. That's why we need Jesus. We desperately need Jesus. And so in a gospel presentation, that has to be made clear. And so that's what Jesus is doing, presenting the gospel to the rich young ruler. You need to be saved because you're not perfect. You're falling short. What am I still lacking? You're lacking me. Show that you value me by selling all your stuff and following me. They say Jesus is just a good teacher, right? Right. He's either going to be a lunatic, a liar, or Lord, right? So it's not, good teacher's not in there. Right. It's just ignorance. Absolutely. And in a gospel presentation, when somebody is like that, when they say they like Jesus, you're not being tricky or anything with this. But in order for them to get away, when you say, oh, good, I like Jesus, too. And you begin sharing his that he's the perfect standard. They have to contradict themselves and come back off of it. Well, I don't really like Jesus. You know, and they're not going to do that. Typically, they're not going to backtrack on something they said because they already have, you know, like Jesus or their understanding of him. Uh, and so, as you say, great, let me tell you more about this Jesus uh, and how he uh, manifested God's perfect standard of righteousness and how he was born, how he lived, how he died, and that he was raised again. All those things, that, those are the things about Jesus. And he said a bunch of stuff in between all those things that he did perfectly, by the way. Everything he did was perfect. And so we have to take all that stuff in. Or... He's a, he's a lunatic. He's crazy. Or he's a liar. So I know that you like Jesus and think he's cool, so I know you're not going to say he's, a, he's crazy or a liar because then he wouldn't be a cool person. So he's, he's got to be Lord. And that's the only end game we have. Good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, where are we? Rich young ruler. Uh, okay, I like this part. I don't like this part. Let me just... Verse 22 is when the young man heard this statement, he went away grieving for he was one who owned much property. Okay, that's sad, and we take no pleasure in that. Um, but this is interesting to me. So imagine your disciples. The disciples are, I imagine them back behind Jesus, and Jesus having this conversation with the rich young ruler, and then he goes away. <sighs> the disciples haven't said anything to this point. They're back there listening. So Jesus turns to them. He says, <clears throat> based on what you just witnessed, truly, I say to you, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Okay, I imagine that's exactly what happened. There is silence. The disciples are back there. Cool. He was rich. You got him, Jesus. That's not what Jesus meant, right? I think they took it in a way that let them off the hook, right? The disciples are thinking, yeah, rich people. Down with rich people. Well, didn't back then they, they associate like wealth with uh, prosperity? Like, oh, you, you're going to heaven because you're rich. Like, you have a lot of possessions. The Lord's blessed to you. So they thought, oh, man, how do we get into heaven? Is that rich guy? Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. I think it was a sign of God's blessing and favor because you have all the thousands of years history of Israel. But he basically and, just crushed that with that one sentence. Yeah. See, that... It, 
yeah, Israel being laid up, that's how God, it's a physical picture of a spiritual reality that if you come in, if you follow me, I will bless you. I'll give you the spoil. I mean, when they left Egypt, like Philip said uh, a couple weeks ago, no, it was somewhere else. No, it was, sorry, it was at work. Uh, anyway, when they were freed from slavery, the Egyptian gave them all these jewelries. And, mm-hmm. I mean, it, was all, it was always physical representations of spiritual truths. Yeah. So the perception of whether or not we were blessed by God often manifested that way. But as Jesus said, it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. I think the disciples were silent because the way Jesus responds here and then the way the disciples respond. So there's silence. He's looking at their blank stares on their faces. And in verse 24, again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. So he says the same thing, basically, but makes it more explicit because they don't say anything. Like, are you hearing what I'm saying? Again, I'm going to tell you. So the disciples at that point did not see it as us versus them, rich versus poor. Because their response, they were astonished, yeah? That says they were very astonished and said, then who can be saved? Like, they got it then. (laughs) They're like, not only does that guy not have hope, but we don't have hope. Who then can be saved? Like, how does that happen? Like, we don't muster up our own stuff. Uh, how does that work? Jesus looking at them and said, yeah, you got it now. That's right. With men, with people, this is impossible. No one is going to value Christ above all. No one is going to see Christ as worth giving up everything about themselves and following him. No one is going to do that. You understand that. That doesn't just happen. With people, this is impossible. It doesn't happen, period. People don't muster themselves up. Here's the thing. But with God, all things are possible. All these things, being righteous, keeping the law, um, pleasing the creator as he deserves to be pleased, God can make that happen. Seeing Jesus as worthy of worship and praise and obedience and all that, God can make that happen. No one's going to want to do that, but God can do that. God can change hearts. That's the amazing thing. Now you're getting it, disciples. Now you're getting it. Stay with me. And you know this is consistent with um, with how the conversation started a few weeks ago when we were talking about Jesus uh, paying money to the temple, and uh, then the disciples start wrangling over where are we going to rank in the kingdom, and and Jesus said, "What? Except you be converted, a passive act. And except you are converted and become like one of these little children, you won't even enter the kingdom of God." You hear this echo here? A rich man can't enter the kingdom of God. A rich man can't enter the kingdom of God. Who then can be saved? With God, all things are possible. God can do it. You desperately need God to do that in your life. You can't do it. You don't want to do it. I don't know where I am on these things. Okay. One other thing I do want to point out is the way, and this is consistent with what I just read. Truly I say to you in verse 23, it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of, uh, of, of heaven. Um, yes, I see those hands. So this is interesting to me, and you don't have to know this when you're sharing the gospel, but I, I want you to know that your theology is reinforced by the language from which it was translated. And by, by your theology, I mean if you believe that God is sovereign in all things, including salvation, 
that no one comes to God unless God quickens them, makes them alive, and as a result, grants them repentance and faith. And all that is manifested. We don't know when God regenerates a person. I think it's like immediately at the time that they display those fruits of repentance and faith um, based on Scripture. Um, so our theology, a Calvinistic is what it's called, uh, Calvinistic theology, Reformed theology or whatever, this is all consistent. So these words uh, in verse 23, this is interesting to help you kind of anchor. When he says it for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven, the word for enter is a, a middle voice. And this is kind of cool. The middle voice uh, can be translated either reflexive, intensive, or reciprocal. And what it means is, uh, reflexive, a, a proper translation would be, uh, he enters himself, or if it's intensive, which is legitimate, he himself enters, or reciprocal, uh, it's used with a plural subject, so it doesn't apply here, so it doesn't have a plural subject. It means back and forth to one another. So anyway, it has to be either reflexive or intensive. That means that the middle voice is based on basically one's own ability. He can't enter himself. Uh, he himself enters. There's an absence there of needing help from anything outside of oneself. Okay? Does that make sense? That's the middle voice. And so when, he, when Matthew records that by the Holy Spirit, um, he's saying this, a rich man cannot enter in his own power the kingdom of God. Okay? And then so it makes sense at the end of verse 26, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. So it's very consistent down deep in the weeds in the language that God is still sovereign. Man is still desperately wicked and, and needs to be saved. God needs to do something from the ground up in order for people like us to have any hope whatsoever. Yes? Yeah. Yeah. So it's really rich and deep. So does that make sense? All right. And real quickly, we'll get through this last part uh, with Peter's response. So like I said... Jesus repeated himself twice because it didn't seem that the disciples were getting it. And then they got it. Who then can be saved? And then Peter says, well, we left everything and followed you. What would there be for us? And so what Jesus says afterwards uh, basically is saying, it's kind of a, a John chapter 3 summary of how God saves. Uh, with God, all things are possible. If God is doing this, God makes the unwilling willing. And you see that. Um, and so not only when Jesus was calling the rich young ruler to sell all he had to demonstrate, to obey, to show obey me to show that you believe I am, Christ, I am the Christ here Peter is saying we've done all this like who then can be saved okay with God all things are possible we have done all this stuff what does that mean for us and so all the things that Jesus says there we won't get into the weeds but basically he says that the demonstration you have had of leaving everything and showing that you value me is evidence of your salvation, evidence of God's work. So when we present the gospel to people, uh, we do all these things that we've said. There's an all God, man is dead in sins, Jesus is Lord of all. Obey to show that you believe this, that Jesus is God and Savior. And that's what we do with, uh, well, that's what Jesus said here to the rich young ruler, follow me. He said, no, disciples actually are following until it's consistent. Um, and when we present the gospel, it, we don't get to enjoy this as much as the disciples did. Like, imagine preaching or sharing the gospel, and then someone saying, Sirs, what must we do to be saved? That would be so cool, but it rarely happens like that. 
So now we say, if you believe that Jesus is the Christ, that he is God, that he is Savior, show me. Show me that you believe what you say you believe, if you believe that. Well, well, what can I do? What do you mean? Do you have any ideas? What could a person do upon professing that Jesus is the Christ, if they believe this? For the first time, what could they do? Baptism. 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 Yeah. So, and we, we're familiar with baptism. We're Baptists. But I don't want to water that down, because in this culture, imagine what you were doing there. Up to that point, you were keeping your own, keeping God's law, establishing your own righteousness, doing things like you thought were that should be done. But now Jesus comes and tells you, you need to be saved. I'm the only way to do that. You need to worship me. So what they're doing with baptism is saying, look, I know that I used to run with you and do a lot of crazy bad things and uh, establish my own righteousness or whatever. But you know what? Now I believe Jesus is the Christ. Uh, I'm sorry for my sins, and I'm not trying to do away with my family and friends. That's not what my purpose is. But I want to be identified with Jesus now. And I want everybody to know that. I want my family to know that. I want my community and friends to know that. I'm not perfect. I need Jesus. And I want to be identified with him. And so when I'm baptized, that's what that's going to show. And from that moment on, people know that you've testified, you've shown them, I believe Jesus is the Christ. So yeah, baptism, that's not the only thing, but baptism is a big deal. It's a big thing. And I want to be identified with people who believe the same way that I do. Those crazy people. They're weird a lot of times. Acts chapter 17, when Paul presented the gospel and he said, Jesus, God proved that he was going to judge the world according to Jesus' righteousness by raising them from the dead. Many of them mocked. Okay, you lost me crazy person you believe god raised a person from the dead i want to be identified with people who believe that so baptism is a big deal and i know you've heard it before but it's a public expression of what you believe to be true in your heart Um, and so that's what we ask people to do show me that you believe jesus is the christ does that make sense is that good any comments or questions that was a bad question he asked jesus that moment like a selfish or or do you think Jesus accepted it and thought it was the right question? No, I think it was the right question. It makes sense. Uh, when you see a person walk away from a gospel presentation like that, and it sounds like they were kind of standoffish, and Jesus had to say twice, and then it got their attention. Like Then they started thinking about themselves. Where am I falling in the kingdom of God? Because he just told us earlier I have to be converted. And so now I hear that, and we, who can be saved then? Mm-hmm. And so when Jesus responds, God can do everything. And so Peter, it seems like he's wrestling with, okay, so I have, we have done what you asked the rich young ruler to do. Is that, does that mean we're cool? I think he's just trying to wrestle through, where do I stand? I don't think it's a prideful question at all. Yeah, I think it's good. I, you know, we're told to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, uh, to examine ourselves, whether we'll be in the faith. I think that's exactly what Peter was doing, examining himself. Like, am I in the faith? Like, am I? So, yeah, good question. All right, let's go worship in the big room together.